Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. You are listening to an interview with Dr. Ted Tripp called Defining and Shaping Influences. For today's show notes, transcript, and more information about our recently released book, Your Newborn Promise Project, please visit GrahamBlanchard.com. Welcome back to our podcast. We are so honored to have you here with us for our wisdom-packed interview with Dr. Ted Tripp. If you missed part one, please go back and catch that as Dr. Tripp had so many great insights into the heart of our children and how to shepherd those hearts with great care and intentionality. Dr. Tripp dives even deeper today and challenges our hearts and motives as parents. Again, a special thank you to our guest interviewer, Graham Blanchard Project Director Ansley Kynes, for conducting this interview while I was on a short sabbatical. Here's Ansley and Dr. Tripp. Dr. Tripp, in our last discussion, you spoke a lot on the heart and why we not only have to look at the outward behavior of the child, but really focus in on the heart issues behind those behaviors. And in your book, you mentioned two things that affect the heart, shaping influence and Godward orientation. Explain to our listeners what these two things are. Well, I think of shaping influences. I think of all the things that happen in a child's life that shape the person he becomes. Some of those things are under our control. Some of those things are not under our control. But, for example, birth order, uh, where the child fits into the constellation of children in the family. If you have a large family, the older child's experience of life is very different than the youngest child's experience of life. Because the oldest child gets pressed into service and care for younger ones, the younger child never gets pressed into service and care for older ones. So the, the birth order affects our kids. Uh, uh, the socioeconomic level of affluence or lack of affluence in our family, that affects our kids, it affects opportunities they have, and, and so forth. The, uh, the general uh, flow of the culture, the cultural challenges we face, things, for example, like uh, all the electronic devices these days, that, I mean, those are challenges for parents that I never faced with teenage kids. The education of children, the church context in which we raise them, uh, the family values, what's important in the family life, what passes without notice, and the way family roles are worked out, how a husband's leadership is worked out, how a wife's role as a mother and nurturer and helpmate to her, her husband is worked out. So I think all those are, are the shaping influences of life. So uh, any of those shaping influences under, that are under our control, the way we work out our roles as parents, the way we live as husband and wife, our faithfulness to God, church attendance, uh, being part of the community and living out our lives as Christians, all those, all those things that are under our control, we want to do the very best way that we can do them. We also recognize there are a lot of shaping influences that are not under our control. Uh, so those are the shaping influences. But the, how they impact our kids is determined by what our kids do with God. So if our kids are loving God and knowing God, they can respond to those shaping influences with wisdom. If they are worshiping and serving idols of the heart, uh, they will never be able to respond to those shaping influences with wisdom. And so how the shaping influences impact our children really is determined by the Godward orientation of their hearts. We had that illustrated, for example, in the life of Joseph, where uh, there were terrible shaping influences in Joseph's life. 
But because he knew God, at the end, he was able to say, you meant evil, but God meant good to bring about saving many people. Uh, so Joseph had a understanding of who God was that enabled him to process even the negative things that happened in his life. If our kids don't know God and are not entrusting themselves to God and, and are not, uh, but rather are trying to serve various idols of the heart, then they will never be able to respond uh, in that kind of a gracious way to the shaping influences of life. So I think those two things really, uh, the shaping influences of life and the God-born orientations of our children's hearts uh, really uh, determine the person that our kids become. And the importance of the heart definitely doesn't end with our children. You really challenge the motivations of our hearts as parents and the goals we set for our kids. So what are some ways that you see parents setting ungodly goals for their kids, and what sort of effect does this have in the long run? Well, I think sometimes we can have uh, very externalized standards. You better get good grades. If you get good grades, then you're good. If you don't get good grades, you're not good. Or you have to excel in sports, and if you don't excel in sports, I'm not going to be happy because... I was always an athlete, and I wanted you to fulfill my dreams. Uh, you know, we can have just the goal of being able to manage our kids and control them and have them, you know, respond to us with obedience. Uh, you know, whatever our parenting goals are, they will shape what we do as a parent. So I think making sure our goals are worthy goals is so important. And I think the most worthy goal is the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy him forever. And that uh, as parents, our focus has got to be, I, I want to raise kids, uh, I want to show my kids the glory of God, and I want them to see the wonderful God is because I know they're made for God, and they will only live in this world with wisdom and insight if they know God and love God. So I want my home to be a place where I'm showing them the wonder of who God is. So I think the temptation is for parents to hone in on lesser goals. And, you know, the real goals we have for our kids, because every Christian parent is going to say, oh, yeah, I want my kids to know God. And yet there are many parents who will not attend church for the entire baseball season because their kids are on a traveling baseball team, and they've got to be on that team if they're going to excel. So what is the parent really showing as the goal for the child? It's excelling in baseball or soccer or basketball or gymnastics or whatever the sport might be. You know, I was at a church one time. This little guy came in, nine or ten-year-old boys wearing a baseball uniform. I thought, what an odd thing to wear to church. But I caught on later because at a quarter of twelve, this family got up and they left the church. Now they weren't mad at the pastor. They left because there's a another worship service to go to, and and if you're late for that one, the coach won't let you play. Now if this little guy ever concludes, the life that is truly life has to do with knowing God. Nothing is more important than that. It'll be in spite of, not because of, the example of his parents. Because the parents are really feeding the idol of excelling in baseball rather than focusing this kid on the worthiness of God and the worship of God on the Lord's Day. So I think that it's very easy for us as parents to get short-circuited on, on the things we think of as valuable. It might be sports, it might be academics, it might be toys or psychological adjustment of our kids or, you know, all kinds of, there are a whole range of possibilities. But if you watch parents, you can figure out what's important to parents. And kids know what's important to parents, too. 
That's true. So in addition to setting godly goals for our children, how do communication and correction play a part in parenting, and why must they work together? Well, I think communication is certainly key. And there are so many passages in the Scripture that talk about the importance of communication. I think of, you know, the passages that talk about uh, the means of our communication. You know, uh, a man of wisdom, the proverb says, uses words with restraint. And when I think of restrained speech, I think of avoiding too many words. Uh, you know, where words are, uh, are many, sin is not absent, Proverbs uh, ten nineteen says. Or... Uh, you know, the more words, the less meaning. I think that's Ecclesiastes 6.11. What does that profit anyone? So parents can uh, can use too many words. Uh, we can fail to use words with restraint. And the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of the rulers of fools. Whenever I'm shouting at my kids, I'm putting emotion in the foreground and meaning in the background. But quiet words put meaning in the foreground and emotion in the background. So I think uh, our means of communication is so important. I think of the method of communication. I think of the importance of pleasant words. Pleasant words, Proverbs 16 says in three different places, pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the body, healing to the soul. We need to use pleasant words with our kids. Uh, because when a parent is angry, red-faced, yelling at their children, flicking a little flex of spit on them as they yell, they're not serving their child, and they're not accomplishing their goals. If they could do a selfie at themselves at that moment, they would see how ridiculous they look, red-faced, eyes bulging, yelling at their kid. And the kid is not looking at this red-faced, eyes bulging parent saying, wow, dad, what wisdom you have, throw up some more of your pearls of wisdom on me. He, he's looking to thinking, you're an idiot. So I think that uh, pleasant words, not yelling at our kids, using pleasant words. Pleasant words are honeycombs, sweet to the body, healing to the soul. Pleasant words promote instruction. So I think using pleasant words with our kids is so important. And I think also delighting in understanding our kids. The Proverbs, I think it's 18.2, says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in sharing his own opinion. We need to be people who find pleasure in understanding our children. That means we ask good questions. We listen to what's being said. We listen to what's not being said. We, we, we follow up uh, their observations with more questions that are designed to help them understand themselves more thoroughly. So I think that kind of communication, rich communication is so important. And then I think uh, on the discipline side, I think having uh, consequences for our children that are not behavioristic. They're not designed to modify behavior, but the consequences that are focused on the importance of walking in God's ways and, and, and doing what is right before the Lord. Uh, so the consequences are focused on underscoring the importance of God's truth. And those consequences should be reasonable. They should be logical. And we should also be reminding our kids that there's always more at stake than just this moment that ultimately the sowing and reaping principle, the word of God, he who sows to the flesh reaps destruction. He who sows to the spirit reaps life, both in this life and in the life to come. So I think that uh, communication and discipline come together, you know, hand in glove. And, 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 and uh, so our discipline where we're bringing consequences to our children, we're working out the sowing and reaping principle of scripture and 
the way we communicate with our kids is first is very very important that's challenging me in my uh, parenting role today so thank you for that <laughs> that's some good <laughs> wisdom what are some common pitfalls that you see new parents falling into i think uh, probably fear and anxiety uh you know just uh being so afraid i'm not gonna get it right uh, because we want so much to get it right uh and not resting not resting in god and in god's care and and uh the fact that god will give me grace god will give me wisdom so i think fear and anxiety i think probably uh early on in parenting the we have the idea we're going to control our kids and we're going to manage things in such a way that that uh, we're going to be one step ahead of everything and recognizing I can't control everything. I've, I have to rest in God. I've got to model that rest in God uh, myself. I, I think uh, there's a phenomenon in our culture of people want to be, people want to have children, but they don't want to be parents. Uh, they want to have children because children are fun, and it's when you go out with little children, people who and all your kids, and it's it's great fun to have little kids. But uh, don't want to invest what needs to be invested in kids. So I think helping young parents see, you know, when uh, as a parent, I'm uh, I'm in this for the long haul, and my life is going to be organized, not around my career or around everything else. My life is really going to be organized in many ways around the needs of my kids. That, that's primary for me because it's one of the most important callings I have at this season of life is to nurture my children. There'll be other seasons of life. And, you know, when you when you have little kids, you, you think the years stretch forward interminably. But those uh, 18 or 20 years they spend in your home pass very, very quickly. And so I think recognizing in this season of life, I have no more important calling than to uh, nurture and shepherd my kids. I want to, there, there'll be things that I'll be able to do in another season of life I can't do now. There may be hobbies that I have to lay down that I'll pick up again when my kids are grown. Or there may be uh, things that are good things that would be great fun to do, but I, and they're not wrong. But I, I don't have time for them. So I think always evaluating the choices that I make to make sure that I'm keeping my children and the calling God has given me to shepherd them as a primary concern, primary focus. I think that's a real important thing. That's excellent. What are some ways that parents can make their own faith in a big God very real to their small kids? Well, I think just talking about God all the time, talking about God's goodness, even with little kids. Oh, look how beautiful the day is. God made this beautiful day, and he made the grass and the flowers and the birds. Listen to the birds this morning. God knows every one of those birds. You know, it says not even a bird doesn't fall to the ground without God. Uh, you know, and just even, oh, look at these bees. Oh, my, what amazing little animals that can fly like that and 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 who are you know making it possible for crops to grow and give us honey and you know so I think you're just talking about to kids all the time about God because I, I think sadly and free there are families in which God is never spoken of day after day I mean there are days that pass where there's no mention of God and these are Christian families so I think talking about God and helping our kids to see the wonder of who God is in everything of life is just so 
so important so that, you know, even in the morning, let's thank God this morning. God gave us a good night's sleep. We had a home that we could sleep in safely. We have food to eat this morning. Let's thank God for wonderful gifts God has given us so that we're taking nothing for granted, but in all things, we're giving thanks to God. So I think just having God before our own faces so that it's the most natural thing in the world for us to talk about God. It's not something that we are scheming to do. It's something that we do because we are on by him ourselves. Dr. Tripp, do you have any additional advice or encouragement for new parents? Well, I think that it's a very challenging time to be raising kids. Margie and I were talking about this just last week and talking about uh, how how challenging the job is these days because of the seismic changes that are taking place in our culture and uh, the challenges that parents have that we didn't have when we started raising children in 1969. I, I guess I would want to encourage young parents t- today that the uh, of just the necessity of keeping in God's word and keeping God before their faces. And so you're always bringing God before your face and and living in light of him and bringing that to your kids. It, it, it is a very challenging time to be raising children. And I think there's, uh, there's more and more movement uh, away from the idea of nurture of children, actually. And we've seen this in Europe a lot, uh, actually, toward the idea of almost neutrality in raising kids. So rather than instilling in them a vision for God and a sense of the wonder of who God is, we want to kind of uh, keep that to ourselves and leave that up to them to develop or not develop, but we should be trying to influence them in those ways. Uh, I've seen that uh, again and again, especially in Europe, and I think that's where things are moving in our culture, really away from the concept of indoctrinating children, it would be called indoctrination of children. But I think that exactly that kind of training that God calls us to. Well, Dr. Tripp, thank you so much. Would you mind closing out our time praying for these new parents who might be listening? I would be happy to do that. Father, we come to you uh, today, and we come with hearts of gratitude and thankfulness for uh, your great grace and great love in our lives. We thank you that you have uh, sent your Son into the world to save sinners. And we thank you for opening our hearts to him and to his ways. We we thank you, Lord, for the gift of having children. We know children are the heritage of the Lord, and the uh, the fruit of the womb is his reward. It is a great blessing to have children. I pray, Lord, for parents who are expecting kids, for parents who are working with newborns, for parents who are even in those early days of helping children get on a schedule where they can sleep at night and be awake in the daytime. And I pray, Father, for your grace, uh, that there would be a sense in the in parents of the goodness of God and rest in God and hope in God that would take away anxiety and take away fear and take away a sense of I've got to get this right and give them the ability to rest in you and to trust you and to find joy in you and to bring that joy of you to their kids. We pray, Lord, uh, for the challenges of raising kids in this uh, connected, high-tech era, for the uh, challenges economically that 
uh, often force both parents to work and and take parents out of the role of daily nurture of their kids. We pray, Father, that you would give wisdom to parents that they would make wise choices and even wise decisions about how to manage and spend money and that we, there would be uh, that the, the parents would be focused on the importance of this task of nurturing kids. And I ask, Lord, that you would give moms and dads hope, not that they're going to get it right, but hope that there's a God who's full of grace and full of mercy and who in amazing ways uh, even overcomes our failures and shows our kids his grace in spite of us. We pray for your blessing. Pray for the, the things that we've talked about would be helpful to moms and dads. We ask this for Christ's glory. Amen. This is Audra Haney, and that wraps up part two of our interview with Dr. Ted Tripp and guest interviewer Ansley Kynes. Thank you again for joining us. Remember, you can get today's transcript, show notes, and as a podcast listener, 20% off our new book, Your Newborn Promise Project, with code NPPODCAST at grahamblanchard.com. Thank you.